Welcome to the Proclaim and Defend podcast, a ministry of the Foundations Baptist Fellowship International. We seek to encourage and inform pastors on modern day topics from a biblical perspective. Our mission is to bring together like-minded Baptists to collaborate in glorifying God through fulfilling the Great Commission. Hello everyone, it's Don Johnson with the Proclaim and Defend podcast. Today we're introducing one of the recordings from the uh, God of Beauty uh, issue of Frontline. Uh, it was devoted to te- leading us to a deeper understanding of uh, beauty, of what God expects of us in the area, in this area. Uh, it's something that maybe is a little unfamiliar to us and not something we address frequently. But I think the issue, the articles in the magazine and the interviews have been very helpful in helping us expand our understanding. Now, in this particular interview, I'm talking to Doug Bacharach. He is the chair of music of the music department at Maranatha Baptist University. He's discussing beauty in our worship. Now, of course, we immediately think of music when we think of beauty in our worship, but he's, he's, and that's included, of course, but he's talking about even more than that. And I think that, uh, as we listen to the conversation and as we read his article, it will lead us to a reflection on what Christian worship does for us spiritually. Uh, the, the beauty of worship, creates a beauty in our soul as we become closer to God and become more like Jesus Christ. And so I hope that you find this very helpful. I found all these conversations quite stimulating. I'm in the middle of recording interviews for our next edition, the one that just came out recently. And I'm sort of uh, getting all excited about getting those out to you as well. But we have this one and one more from the God of Beauty issue. I think they're both worthy, and I hope that you'll be able to uh, profit from them. Our schedule is to put these out every two weeks. At least that's the plan. We haven't always followed that, but we're trying to get ourselves into that mode. Uh, and uh, sometimes if we have an extra one for an, for an issue, we'll probably throw an extra one to you that uh, that month. But every two weeks, that's sort of the goal of our podcast on in terms of the interview sections anyway and we 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 may bring in extra podcasts from time to time as we uh find uh, topics to discuss uh, unrelated to frontline or uh, as we do every monday we try to uh, bring you the monday podcast of the article that's published on proclaim and defend that monday so uh, that's all about the schedule. I do want to give you the regular commercial. That is uh, to encourage you to subscribe. If you will subscribe to the podcast, you'll not miss a single episode. Uh, of course, you can always decide whether or not to listen. There's some that maybe aren't that interesting to you, and that's fine. I, I do that with podcasts that I subscribe to as well. I, I don't always listen to all of them. There's no rule. You don't have to. But we hope you will, and we hope that you find them profitable. And uh, in addition to that, if you will become a paying subscriber, we will make the frontline article that accompanies the interview of the author available for you right away on our Substack. And uh, I think that you'll uh, enjoy the benefit of being able to read as well as listen and think about these topics that we're addressing. The uh, And if you become a subscriber on a yearly basis, a yearly subscription, we will also send you the Frontline Magazine print subscription. So that's what we're offering in terms of 
subscriptions. And of course, we also encourage your donations because you uh, support the ministry of the FBFI through uh, donations, and it's a help to us. We have uh, a tremendous ministry through the military and uh, local civilian chaplaincy programs. We're very uh, keen on that. I think it's a wonderful opportunity for us to speak God's truth into this world. And, of course, we have our fellowship meetings and uh, our publications, the Proclaim and Defend podcast, the Frontline magazine itself. So we do encourage you to support these things. I think they're well worth uh, the support uh, through uh, uh, donations and subscriptions as as you're able. Hope you can do that. Hope you can be a part of that. All right, that's enough commercial. And so I'll turn now over to my latest conversation uh, on uh, the God of Beauty issue of Frontline. It's coming up here right now. All right, well, we want to welcome Doug Backerick to the Proclaim and Defend podcast. Uh, Doug is currently the chairman of the music department at Maranatha Baptist University. Formerly, he founded and directed the music program at Bob Jones Memorial College in the Philippines. So that's where he and I first uh, interacted when he was teaching there. Uh, I don't remember how many years ago that was. But, uh, Doug, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background that led you to those uh, various ministries? Well, it's a blessing to be with you, Pastor Johnson, and talk about these things. Uh, um, my background is kind of uh, mixed uh, kind of a jack of all trades over the years in terms of music. My bachelor's degree was in music education, and I taught for a couple of years in public schools after I graduated, um, instrumental and vocal music both, and then uh, went on to get a master's degree uh, in choral conducting. Uh, the bachelor's I did at Paul Jones University and the master's I did at the University of Oklahoma. And that led me into collegiate uh, teaching. So from there, I moved up to Minnesota, where I directed the music at a community college uh, where we had about three choirs and an orchestra and a lot, mm. a lot of musical activities going on. Uh, I conducted right. uh, choral orchestral things, and we did operas and musicals, and I taught pretty much everything. It was a small department, so I did teach quite a few subjects, uh, which really pushed me and, and stretched me in a lot of ways. Um, and along the way, of course, my wife and I both were serving in our local church, helping with music, and I served as a deacon as well up in Minnesota. My wife has a bachelor's and master's in piano, so we kind of were a good good combination, because uh, mm-hmm. I don't play piano much at all. <laughs> um, you don't want to hear me play piano. Uh, yes. And uh, a few years into uh, working up in, in western Minnesota, the Lord began to burden my heart about full-time ministry. And I had made a commitment to the Lord as a teenager that if he ever did call me into ministry or into missions, that I would want to, I would answer that call, I would follow that, but never felt that leading for mm-hmm. um the years up to this point in the uh, later 1990s. And uh, again, the Lord began to burden me about full-time ministry. And uh, after a long time of prayer and discussion uh, and exploration, the Lord made it clear he wanted us uh, to become missionaries with Gospel Fellowship Association and go to the Philippines. Uh, Bob Jones Memorial Bible College was wanting somebody to come and start a music department. Mm-hmm. There and uh, so we actually moved there in February of 2002, and by God's grace, started a music department and uh, 
again, with his blessing, it grew to the point where we had about 10 music faculty, about half of them American missionaries and half of them Filipino. And then a, a couple of years ago, um, uh, a friend of mine here at Maranatha, uh, David Ledgerwood, the previous chair of the music department, asked me if I would be willing to be considered uh, for his position when his time to retire came. And uh, at the time, we didn't feel God was leading us away from the Philippines, but I told him we'd certainly prayerfully consider it if Maranatha asked us to. And then uh, in the spring of 2022, um, I did get a call from Maranatha saying that David Ledgewood had announced his uh, retirement uh, coming and um, would I consider it. And Ruth and I, my wife and I, began a, about three months of prayer, seeking counsel, kind of wrestling with ourselves, wrestling with God. Uh, mm-hmm. But by the end of that, we, we felt the Lord did want us um, yeah. here, that he was leading this way. So last June, just about five months ago, uh, at the end of June, we moved from the Philippines here to Watertown, okay. Wisconsin. All right, so that's how I missed it. I, I had I, when I saw your name on the list, I thought, oh, he's in the Philippines, but no. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, not anymore. Uh, and in the middle yeah. there, I forgot to mention that um, while I was teaching in the Philippines, the Lord opened the door for me to to do doctoral work, which we were right. you and I were just chatting about, and I yes, uh, did do a PhD in musicology uh, at Durham University in the UK, where I focused yeah. primarily on the experience of emotion in congregational singing. Oh, very. That's very interesting. I, uh, when was that your dissertation was on that subject? Was it? Or? It was. I was. I wrestled with some theories of emotion, kind of from the psychological standpoint, um, but looking at it also through the lens of corporate worship and what role emotion plays uh, in that right. experience. And I did a couple case studies with churches there in the Philippines, and yeah, wrote a dissertation that. Yeah, it was um, not probably so exciting for most people to read, yeah. but it did pull up some interesting things. So, <laughs> yes, well, most dissertations are not exciting to read, but but the uh, but my but my inner academic uh, sort of oh, that's cool. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyhow, well, your uh, this issue of Frontline that you're writing for is called the God of Beauty. That's the theme. Your article is Beauty and Worship, so we're just going to use that as a launching pad. Uh, I've prepared a few questions to get us started here. So first of all, um, I guess the uh, the first thing, you start off with a definition of worship, and you define it much more broadly than many people do. Uh, so I wonder if you could compare and contrast what you mean by worship what is and what is popularly meant by worship. Sure. Um, you know, I... Wrestle with that. I, I teach a class on worship uh, here at Maranatha, and I taught a similar class in the Philippines. And in those classes, we go through um, many of the definitions or descriptions by um, uh, kind of the standard writers on worship, um, especially those from a more conservative uh, biblical perspective. Um, and they tend to cast a fairly fairly broad net uh in their descriptions um John Frame DA Carson uh, others mm-hmm. uh and I so I do uh we talk about all of those and then I just kind of boiled it down I guess what I tried to do was find um 
a definition that um, encompasses the idea of worship generally, uh, but leaves, uh, but guides us towards specifically Christian worship. And so when I, mm-hmm. I, I encapsulate it uh, kind of simply with these three A's, um, the idea of action. Um, and the reason for that one is the, that s- so much of the scriptural picture of worship is giving something to God, the act of giving, whether it's a sacrifice or an offering, food offering, drink offering, money, uh, or service, or ultimately, I think specifically mm-hmm. in the New Testament context, the giving of ourselves, our lives in submission right. to the right. Lord. Uh, so we see that over and over in scripture. Uh, the idea of attitude is that uh, idea of reverence. Uh, mm-hmm. That by definition, if we're worshiping something, we are viewing the thing we are worshiping as greater than ourselves. Mm-hmm. So uh, in a Christian context, that means that we are approaching a right view of who God is and who I am in relationship to him. And so that mm-hmm. seems to be an integral part of worship as well. Uh, in the scriptures, of course, you so many of the references to worship include the idea of bowing down, of being prostrate. Right. Uh, before yeah. the Lord. Uh, and then the third A is the idea of affection. Um, and that, I think, is the more specifically Christian part of worship. I think you could have the other two aspects of worship um, towards false gods. We see that um, yeah. mentioned in the Old Testament in particular. Um, but the idea of affection, of a true, genuine love uh, warmth, um, enjoyment mixed with the reverence and, and the fear mm-hmm. of God, um, is, I think, the specifically Christian part of, yeah. of worship. And then the, the thing I do add, uh, in the, from the New Testament is the idea of growing Christ-likeness. Uh, the right. thing that strikes me when I read the epistles is that Worship, the way we see it talked about in the Old Testament, is not overly present. And it's mm-hmm. much more focused on the worshiper being changed and becoming more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And right. so, to me, that speaks to the idea that as we become more like Christ, that that is a part of our worship, our becoming more mm-hmm. like him, because then we are uh, exemplifying him more perfectly to the world around us, to our fellow believers, and then God can receive uh, greater glory because we are showing him hopefully more completely uh, in the way we live. So that's right. that's where I get you know my thinking about worship. Right. Now, and as you talk about that, a couple of phrases come to mind, so, or a couple of ideas. One is, You've heard the phrase "worship as a way of life," I suppose. So, for a Christian, like, like I guess if we're going to say have a broad definition of worship, then if everything is worship, what is worship, right? Right. But, but for a Christian, we're called out of the world, so we are called into a worshipful lifestyle. So, like you say, actions, the things that we do, we want to change the way we act in the world and we also are in submission to god so he rules us so that's attitudes uh and then the affections we love god so but then we also have an intense worship experience and uh at least well usually for most christians at least once a week hopefully more uh 
but but we are but there's something in that dynamic like in a worship service i've often thought about this i mean i don't even remember most of my messages you know i've preached you know countless times through the years and yet those experiences form our mm. souls like you said make us more christ-like so i wonder if you'd like to add on that yeah. or comment on that Sure. I, you know, and one of the things that we always have to be careful of when we talk about worship is the, the broad definition, like you were just describing, our life mm-hmm. as worship. And that's clear mm-hmm. in scripture. At the same time, there is such a thing as, as the public worship or the corporate worship of a mm-hmm. local church, which is a unique thing, um, that, mm-hmm. um, is, is obviously related to how we live. In other words, if we don't live worship throughout the week, we can't force it on Sunday. It's one of the things right. I, I say to the uh, young men I train in leading worship and song leading. I said, you know, if you've got a believer in your church who is not living for God during the week, when they come into church, they're looking for um, an experience. They're looking, f- you know, for something to, to stir them up. But really, if we're, if we're worshiping God correctly on Sunday morning, it ought to make that kind of Christian uncomfortable. Not mm-hmm. comfortable, not not excited. But right. when you've got believers who are worshiping God in their daily lives by the way that they live, as well as in their personal devotion, then when they gather together on Sunday, what we're doing is we're we're letting out what's been inside of us all week long, um, and the experience is driven um, largely by the truth. Yeah. Uh, I, I am in no way opposed at all to emotion and worship and the importance of that even. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is there. What I, I think we have to be careful of is not making the worship experience, um, the, uh, or in other words, striving for an experience in worship to be mm-hmm. our primary goal. But that, right. that is a wonderful byproduct of, um, the, the, the three A's of worship, if you will, That's as right. we engage That's in right. those. Then we're going to have um, a, we're going to have emotional responses, rightly Absolutely. so. And the music is going to contribute to that. The the order of the service, all of the components, uh, we yeah. ought to sometimes feel overwhelmed uh, or go out with a high from it. But if we make that our goal, then we end yeah. up turning our worship services into a, 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 a manipulative experience rather right. than a responsive experience, I guess. Right. Sort of looking for a for a a rush out of the worship, out of the service rather than rather than seeking truth and and interacting with truth. Sure. And, um, it was something you said there also reminded me like uh, one of the things that's happening these days, and this is not really on your topic, but uh, it's the uh, you know how we're becoming a cashless society, mm-hmm. and many of our people like they say to me. Um, I've often been asked, do you take donations online? And, uh, our bank doesn't allow it. I, we've asked and we're trying, but, but you know, and some churches have basically done away with the offering, I understand. Now, I resist that because that's part of, to me, that's part of worship. We're acting here. There's one participatory part along with the singing where the people can participate in the actual worship. So, uh, I don't know. I'm, that's sort of yeah. extra. I'm, 
I just thought of that as you're talking. <laughs> I've thought about that as well. And even just seeing each other giving, I mean, obviously we shouldn't yeah. be looking at how much people are putting in the plate or anything, but just right. seeing the act of, and I've thought about that. I, true confession. I, um, I do use our online giving, uh, in our right. church mainly because, um, I'm very forgetful and that it's become an easy way to make sure that I'm really I'm doing yeah. what I ought to be and want to be doing. But at the same time, our church has faith promise giving as well. And so right. for me, what I do is that I, I, uh, I bring the cash for the faith <laughs> promise and, and do that physically in the envelope right. and then uh, yeah. the yeah. other giving. <laughs> so that's my personal solution for that. But I, I completely right. empathize with the idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we can't. I mean, you know, I could be like the old man yelling at clouds and, and uh, railing against technology. Well, we're not going to change the technology. It's here. So it's it's sure. uh, we're going to have to adjust ourselves. But even so, I sort of thought about, well, maybe we could have each person throw in their receipt each from their bank <laughs> into the offering plate. But that, <laughs> that's, that's probably a little too, uh, I don't know, too out there. Okay, so let's get back to your article. Uh so we're talking about one of the, okay, so a lot of times when people talk about worship today, they mean music. Now, we've defined it more broadly, and I think sure. rightly so. But it is true, it's absolutely true that music uh, is a tool in our worship, along with the preaching and the other aspects, uh, to make ourselves more Christ-like. Uh, and from there, uh, you've talked about that in your article, and from there you ask how musical beauty is connected to this process. So could you tell me what difference the relative beauty of music can make to my personal worship and Christ-likeness? Yeah, you know, it's, on one hand, we can look at beauty as a worthy goal uh, in our music making uh, in, in worship, right. um, just because God is beautiful. And right. in our music, we can, um, in some ways, try to portray him or help ourselves have a greater, deeper sense of who God is. And so I think beauty in, in our worship is, is worthwhile, uh, mm -hmm. just for that. It, it can help us to have a deepening sense of, of who God is. Some things I, I don't really touch on in the article, but I think are, are worth, thinking about are are things like just the the work and attention it takes to to make beauty in music mm -hmm. the practicing the years of lessons when you've got a pianist who can really play beautifully or uh feelingly uh, to the text and can improvise you know maybe over him in a way that that brings out the meaning of the lyrics and whatnot and, and do it in a very artistic fashion well that takes years of, mm -hmm. of practice um a choir preparing a piece takes the the dedication of people, their hours, the purchase of mm -hmm. money, the uh, energy and creativity that went into creating the choir piece in the first place. All of those things um, speak to uh, how important our worship is when we go to those lengths. We're, mm -hmm. we're making a statement that, that God is, is important enough to pour ourselves out. So I think right. that in, that's one way that, that beauty... Um, has an important role. I don't think it's the only, right. um, and it's a bit more uh, of an esoteric side of it. You it don't walk out is. of church saying, "Oh yeah, 
it's really important to that worship was... God because the choir practiced this week, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think it, uh, it, it, um, it embeds in us some sense of that rather than, uh, all of our music and our, our church worship practices being, um, just kind of fly by the seat of your pants, uh, yeah. without thought, without preparation and whatnot. That, right. that says the opposite about God or what we think about God. So I yes. think that, that's helpful. And beauty um, isn't, isn't necessarily excellence. It's because, uh, I, I think about, well, I'll give you an example. My, uh, my daughter-in-law, my son and his wife, they, they live here and are part of our church. And my daughter-in-law sang for us last Sunday, uh, uh, Christmas season, Oh Holy Night. And she is, she was a music major at BJ. She has a beautiful voice. It was really wonderful. And now I also recall in contrast, Back when I was at Bob Jones in the amphitorium, you know how big that building is. And this is when I was in graduate school. So the grads all sat in the balcony in those days. And mm-hmm. we had this one guy. He could not sing, but he was more, I'm, I'm like that. Okay. But I, he would <laughs> sing. He's a great big guy. He would sing at the top of his voice. You could hear him over the whole building and he was <laughs> off key. Okay, but <laughs> there is a beauty in that guy's soul, I'll tell you. And even sure. though it, you know, it graded, the sound graded, and yet there is something to beauty, I think, that we're, and I often taught our people, you know, just sing out. You're not going to learn how to sing if you don't sing out. So just yeah. sing out, you know? So, yeah. anyway. I, so, I, I agree with that. And I think, you know, that shows you that there's two, two things going on there. One is, the importance of congregational worship, mm-hmm. where the entire congregation is uh, an active uh, part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so congregational singing is is at the heart and center of Christian worship. Uh, mm-hmm. As I mean, I'm a musician, I'm a, I'm a conductor, I love choirs, I love orchestra and whatnot, and those are important and contributing parts, can be contributing parts of our worship, but it's the congregational singing that really is at the heart, I think, of of yeah. Christian worship, um, yeah. and and God wants us to take whatever He's given to us in terms of our voices and just offer it back to Him to the best of our ability, and and that right. heart uh, that is the beauty, and that that's another side of beauty. Um, you know, in the scriptures, we we see in some ways two levels of beauty. One is kind of a surface level, the immediate. Mm-hmm. Um, that we can see and can respond to, but then there is um, a deeper level of beauty, uh, a quality mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that that is deeper than the surface. Um, I yeah. kind of liken it uh, to, um, uh, say, you see uh, a person who is very physically beautiful, physically attractive in their face and their clothing and everything, but then when you get to know them, you discover that they're just really a nasty person. Uh, Well, there's there's one level of beauty there, but there's one missing, and sometimes it's the other way around, where maybe, you know, I'm sure we've all known people like uh, that don't have that outward physical beauty, but have a beauty of of soul and heart and walk with the Lord uh, that's wonderful, and God God openly embraces that. Yeah, the fancy term for what you're talking about is is transcendence, right? So that's uh, sure beauty goes beyond, you know, our outward experience. Um, and 
so as we're worshiping, so we're either, you know, even this, the congregational singing or, or listening to a special number that's beautifully done, or even in the midst of the sermon, there's, uh, uh, it sort of draws us out of ourselves towards God. And, um, so what effect do you think that is having on our spirit? How is God, uh, well, that, you know, that, and this kind of ties back to your previous question about the role of beauty in worship. And I think one of the things that the beauty does is it does take us beyond ourselves. And I don't mean that in a mystical way, per se, right. or a purely aesthetic way. But what I mean is when we see or hear something beautiful, it it takes us out of ourselves. It, it helps us to see something that's beyond ourselves. Okay. Um, that, that's part of the uh, transcendence idea. I think mm-hmm. maybe you've had this experience where you see maybe a, a beautiful, let's just take it out of the worship context for a second. You see a, a beautiful painting or a great, some great mm-hmm. piece of art and it kind of just stops you. Yeah. And you stop thinking about yourself uh, and all you, you're captured by that thing and it kind of, it elevates you in a, in a way. It, and I think in, for the Christian, that's just a, another contribution towards helping us see beyond this world that we live in, uh, yeah. and that there's something greater that, that there, of course, that there's God. Um, right. I think beauty, uh, you know, sadly for the, for the lost world, beauty does, does the same thing, but for, um, a lost soul, they can't get past that point of, okay, there's something more, but then they're maybe unwilling to go towards what that more is, ultimately, right. the creator right. that we are responsible to. But I think right. that one of the, back to worship, one of the roles for beauty is, um, to help us see beyond, um, it gets our eyes off ourselves and off of maybe the fallen world around us a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, that reminds me of a painting in the art gallery at BJ, one that has stuck with me all like for years. And it's, um, I was a, I was a, a art gallery guard for one semester, but mm. there's one in there that, uh, uh, it's a painting of Peter after the denial. He's out by himself in the dark and he's just weeping. Mm. And, you know, when I think of repentance, that picture comes to my mind. So that's sure. really, really, uh, uh, I think powerful. So that's what we're talking about, I think, is how that moves us towards God and towards uh, biblical. Yeah, I think it can be very direct like that. Um, and I think, um, it can sometimes be a bit more indirect if, if it maybe the, the, the art or the music isn't directly tied, uh, that Mm -hmm. way, maybe in a more general sense, it gets our eyes up. And then with something like the painting you described, and I think I remember that painting, although it's been many years since I've been in the art gallery there, um, that, that moves us to not only know the content, but to feel it. That's, yeah. that's part yeah. of the power of art and especially the power of music that mm-hmm. it, it helps us 
to take in, if it's done right, it's done well, we take in the content, but we feel it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think Scott Daniel talks about this when he, he talks about yeah. music, um, teaching our emotions, teaching us to feel. I think art in general, music and beauty can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. And, and, and that gets us actually in our discussions here. I think this, you know, looking at it at this is really the basic level before we get into the talking about what kind of music is good, what kind of music is not good and what enhances worship and what doesn't enhance worship there's an underlying philosophy that we're talking about in this issue of frontline and, yeah um, I, I think you're right and i think that's where we kind of skip over that conversation too often uh we jump yeah. to uh evaluating assessing kinds of music and styles of worship before making sure we've settled what what is our thinking about worship what mm-hmm. are we trying to do in yeah. our in our public worship services, and if we don't have that biblically grounded, then w- there's no use yeah. arguing about music styles. And I'm all for evaluating and, and working mm-hmm. through those questions. Um, yeah. But we have to start with uh, uh, a right view of of what we're what we're trying to accomplish in the church yeah. service uh, in terms right. of music. So, right, and and then along that line, you mentioned in the article, or you dismissed this phrase, "art for art's sake." Uh, as unbiblical, and I, I thought I'd ask you. So, how to, to to expand on that? But also, like, I mean, you could do music for music's sake, just to, to have a beautiful production. But we want something more than that, don't we? Yeah, I think, and I would be certainly glad to be proven wrong in this. But as I look at examples of beauty in the Scripture and the role of art of all types, and particularly music in the Scripture. There's always something more. There's always another purpose for that artistic creation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that there are any examples in the scripture of art being produced purely for the sake of just taking in or consuming that art. Mm-hmm. There's always another uh deeper and more important reason for it. And that's kind of what I'm after there. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes that can be really concrete and practical. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, in in the uh, temple, uh, Mm -hmm. the the architecture, the furniture and whatnot had very, very practical purposes. There was great beauty there of material and construction and Mm -hmm. design and whatnot, all the same with the music. Um, but there were, there was a greater concrete purpose for it. When it comes right. to, um, art, say, outside of worship, um, I think it would be legitimate, you know, to argue that art can be produced for the sake of stirring up thoughts of beauty, stirring up thoughts of the trans- things that are transcendent. Getting mm-hmm. us beyond ourselves. So I'm, I'm not at all opposed to a Christian artist or an artist in general creating a painting that's not about a biblical topic, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But that when I look at it, it helps me to see something more. It helps me to understand uh, in mm-hmm. some way the world more or my place in it. Uh, and there mm-hmm. again, it's, it's art that's created for, uh, for the sake of beauty, but that beauty has a role in and of itself mm. 
to take us mm-hmm. to some to something else. So that's what I mean when right. I talk about not so much art for art's sake. Because when we do think of art for art's sake, we we turn into the romantics of the 19th century where the art object and the creation of it becomes our religion and becomes wow. our object of worship. And that's a dangerous right. place to be. Right, right. And now when we're talking about creating art, uh, you brought up a sort of a notorious example, I guess, in your article, this Robert Mapplethorpe, who's, who's uh, apparently, I don't recall ever actually seeing any of his work, but the he has some very base themes in his photography in spite of the fact or despite the fact that he is excellent at what he's doing, I guess. is and, and so you could take others. You could take some of these, you know, the well-known and even some of the popular music of our day, some of the people who, and movies and whatever. These people are excellent at creating their art form. Yeah. But they're doing it to exalt something that is totally unbiblical. So right. the question I have here, how does human fallenness twist excellence into ugliness? And how does that affect us if we delight in it? Well, there's a, I mean, I think there's a number of answers to that question. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the fact that we are made in the image of God and we have a creative urge um, is certainly a good thing. That's a God, God-ordained mm-hmm. thing. But in our fallenness, we have the ability to take that urge and the things God gives us, like music and, and other art forms, and to twist them towards um, very unbiblical ends, whether that be false worship and false gods or immorality or uh, mm. other forms of, of moral corruption. Um, we have a very, you know, the human race uh, is very gifted. At taking what God has made and, and twisting it <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. to the way that God didn't ordain. Um, so when I, when I do think about beauty, one of the components that I think is vital to, to ultimately calling something beautiful is that it um, is pure or at least as close to pure as we can get as human beings. And, and by that, I mean, uh, not harmful uh, in terms of our thinking and our feeling, that there's a level of benefit to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Thinking Philippians 4, 8. No, um, I was just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> even, yeah. yeah. Even if the topic isn't about um, uh, God or, or faith, whatever it right. is about is something that is ultimately, in the end, going to be beneficial for me. Um, right. All things being equal, or is is urging a right thinking and a right feeling about whatever the topic mm-hmm. is uh, yeah. in the art. So that's you know with with Maplethorpe, um, you know I'm not I'm not a, a photographer, but the reading I've done, you know my understanding, and I did see um, one of his collections in my grad school years. Um, my understanding is that he you know is probably one of the finest photographers in terms of. Um, uh, his use of of light and shadow and um, uh, uh, forming the images and whatnot, um, yeah. but mixed with that is a you know a content that's corrupting. 
And uh, yes. so then it becomes very obviously very problematic for for the Christian. And I think for, by my definition of beauty, it falls short in, in yeah. that component of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, now the one thing, this is the thing that I, I mentioned earlier, I thought I thought it was a little amusing. You had this really long footnote at the end of the <laughs> article. So here's my little plug to all our listeners. When you read Doug's article, read the footnote. <laughs> it's actually, you said something in there very important. So you mentioned uh, beauty and worship isn't enough. Something more is needed. Uh, and you describe where a viewer of a particular music performance almost brings someone to appreciate Christian faith while still not embracing it. I believe it's, uh, I don't know how to say this group, a vocus or vocus yeah, eight? Yeah, vocus eight. Okay. Yeah. And, and so this person is commenting on it and saying, well, I'm not religious, but this made me feel religious, but not far. They didn't bring him far enough. So, so could you expand on this idea why beauty alone is not enough? In, in the, in that particular example that, that you mentioned that I cited in the footnote, um, you've got a situation where an un, evidently an unsafe person is hearing a piece of music that has a sacred text and is it's the Arvo Paird is the composer. He's been one of my favorite living writing composers. Um, he writes in a very austere, um, very haunting, beautiful way, moving way. Um, but even given that beauty in the music and obviously a, a worthy text, without the work of the Holy Spirit in that man's heart, it alone can't bring him to God. And, and no art can. Right. Um, we just did Handel's Messiah here uh, mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. Um, and the Lord was very gracious. He gave us a, a really fine performance that came together really well. And, and it was, mm. it was good. And we had a lot of unsafe people who, who were at the performance where so I was really thankful for that. Mm -hmm. Um, we did a couple things to make sure that the truth of that piece came out strongly to anybody who was there and especially to any, any unsaved visitors. One thing was we, we did, we uh, projected the lyrics, um, for each piece as we did it up on the screen and mm -hmm. it followed the music. Um, mm -hmm. and then we had, uh, the, the pastor of the host church, um, spoke at the beginning, kind of giving a proper context for the performance and guiding people's thoughts. And then mm -hmm. before we closed with uh, the wonderful chorus, worthy is the lamb. And then mm -hmm. we did end actually fully with the hallelujah. I, I changed the order, but we did hallelujah at the very end. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, the president of the university, Dave Anderson, um, gave a, a brief gospel um, presentation there as well. Yeah. yeah. So that um, people would not walk out only taking the beauty of the performance. Um, yeah. But we wanted to make sure that we pushed it a little bit further than that in a way that we felt wasn't going to detract at all from the, the music and the mm -hmm. performance, but mm -hmm. the music and the performance wasn't the ultimate thing. The ultimate thing was right. exalting Christ uh, mm -hmm. and for any unsafe people there to make sure they understood who the Messiah was. Yeah. Um, beauty art alone 
can't do that. And I think the scriptures are clear about that. We, yeah. there has to be that, the spoken, there has to be, mm-hmm. um, the intentional seeking of the lost, yeah. um, that art by itself doesn't do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so, um, Music, beauty are worthwhile. Um, but as I mentioned, even in the footnote, there are plenty of churches who have stunningly beautiful music, beautiful buildings, mm-hmm. pipe organs that I drool over, yeah. uh, <laughs> great choirs, yeah. and yet they reject, those same churches yeah. reject the basic tenets of the scriptures. And yeah, the very absolutely. person of Christ and the deity of Christ, yeah. and yet they've got they're singing about it, yeah, and they don't yeah, get. The, it. Yeah, the ultimate example would be the Mormon Tabernacle, I guess, in, in Salt Lake. There, the, yeah, they yeah. they have beautiful beautiful music, but their heart they do not have God. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I as much as I love music and art, and that's that's been my my life and my work in many ways. At the same time, I we have to recognize that. That that's not enough by itself. So that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, I uh, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk through this subject. Hope our listeners find it helpful. I hope they'll go and read the article and subscribe to Frontline. That's that's part of what we're trying to do here. <laughs> so uh, please do subscribe. Magazine. I love yeah, it. It is. All right. And any last thoughts on the value of beauty to worship that you'd like to add as we wrap up here? Well, I. I hope that churches will um, realize the benefit and be willing to give the effort um, and the resources that are needed. Obviously, in balance with everything else a local church is doing yeah. and needs to do. Um, yeah. But to give the, give the energy, uh, give the resources, give the time. Uh, God is worthy of that. God's people are worthy of it and need it. Um, mm. I think the other articles are going to be really, really helpful. I can't wait to read all of them. I've read a few of them, but I think the other articles are going to, I think, strengthen that and be an encouragement, I think, to all of us. That's great. Okay, so thanks very much. I'll ask you to hang on for just a few seconds afterwards, but this is Don Johnson signing off for the Proclaim and Defend podcast. This has been the Proclaim and Defend podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and give us a good review. If you want to learn more about the FBFI, check out our website at fbfi.org or our blog, Proclaim and Defend, at proclaimanddefend.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Proclaim and Defend podcast.